we've been looking at focusing on the Christ for the past almost year and a half now, looking first at the shadow of Christ and then the life of Christ, the return of Christ, and then the beginning of the year, the transition, looking at the reign of Christ. And as we looked at the reign of Christ, we looked at his spiritual reign, which is in us, which is in the hearts of those who believe in him. And that transition then went from looking at the reign of Christ and understanding then the reflection, because when Christ is residing and reigning in your heart, it will be reflected in your life. So that what we say and how we live is a reflection of um, who or what is living in our heart. And so as we consider then the reflection of Christ, we have first of all considered our speech and how our speech is that primary mode of reflecting Christ to the world. Jesus said that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Secondly, we looked at our finances and saw, again, that Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so how we, our acquisition of finances and our appropriation of the finances will reflect Christ um, in our lives. Then a few weeks ago, about a month or so ago, we began looking at our relationships and how our relationships reflect Christ. We looked, first of all, at the marital relationship in Ephesians chapter 5, looking at the, um, the wife's um, reflection of Christ, being submission, and the husband's reflection of Christ um, as well, there being love. And then, secondly, we looked at, from beginning of Ephesians 6, the parental relationships, and we looked at that of the children um, honoring their, their parents, and then that of a couple weeks ago, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I guess now, looking at that of the parents themselves, and, um, and the fathers particularly, um, looking at their reflection of Christ. Today we want to continue in Ephesians 6, a little further on, into verses 5 through 9, and look at the third of the major relationships that, that Paul describes here in Ephesians 5 and 6, and how they reflect Christ to the world, and that is our occupational relationships. Our occupational relationships. And so, in Ephesians 6, um, verses 5 to 9, we read, Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling in sincerity of heart, as the Christ, not with eye service as men pleases, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, and with good will, doing service as to the Lord, and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is slave or free. And you masters, do the same things to them, giving up threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. And so in this passage, we see two sides of, of our work relationships. First of all, there's the bond servants. And I know you're going to say, no, we're not bond servants anymore. We'll talk about that in a moment. And then the, the masters. We would equate that today to employees and employers. And though we would say we don't necessarily have bond servants in our, our land today, truly a bond servant was one who did the bidding of someone else. He was, whether he was actually paid or whether he was a slave, and so therefore he didn't have any options, um, the fact is that he had someone over him who told him what to do. And so as the Roman centurion said, I too am a man under authority. I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to this one, come, and he comes. And the reality is that though even the Roman soldiers weren't slaves, they were under an authority, and so they understood what that meant. And so the bond servant back here, the bond slave, was one who was under the authority of somebody else to do their bidding. Well, if you are an employee of somebody else, the reality is you do somebody else's bidding. They, they tell you 
what tasks you're going to perform and what tasks you're not going to perform. They give you your job description. And so the first of these relationships we want to look at this morning is going to be that of the bond servants. Okay? And so let's consider the bond servants. See what it says. And as a whole, that we want to sum this up with the, the term integrity. Integrity. And so as we consider the concept of integrity, there's going to be three different things that we're going to look at. First of all, that we're going to be serving with respectfulness. In verse 5 in Ephesians 6, we read that bond servants be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling. Now, the word fear is the Greek word phobos, and the word trembling is the word tremu, um, which sounds even like what we're talking about here. And so phobos, we understand when we talk about arachnophobia and, um, and all these other phobias, it's a fear okay? that's there. And we talked about that when we discussed the woman honoring the husband, that that word at the end there in Ephesians 5 is actually the word uh, phobu, which is to fear. And so the same concept is here, that as employees, as bond servants, we are to serve with a respectfulness or an honoring of those who are over us with a fear and a trembling. Now, ultimately, what's the ultimate fear and trembling about? What can your boss do? He can fire you unless you work for the government. And so... Yeah. <laughs> No, it, it takes more than that. I, I, it's a side thing. Anyways, I won't go there. It'll be, we'll talk about it. You can always ask me about my, my government experience later. But anyways, but, um, but yes, that boss person who is in charge can fire you as long as they have in our land rightful cause and such and da 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 But the fact is then that there should be some reverence that's given to them, some fear and some trembling and understanding who they are in our life. Now, the sad thing is, that in, in, our, in our world, in, in our culture, that we have minimized that based upon a lot of lawsuits. And so, uh, based upon the, all these equal opportunities and different, um, da, 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 that we, we put out there, a lot of, there are a lot of employees who don't fear their employers. They do what they want. And at any time that an employer says anything negative to them, they, threaten a lawsuit. Okay, I had four or five EEO suits against me when I was in the government. That's what you talk about that stuff later. I understand that, okay, and I had one of those employees who, who did that, okay? And it's an amazing thing. The sad thing is in that situation, that person proclaimed to be a believer, a Christian. So instead of doing their work, they orchestrated ways to get out of their work. As a believer, we're told in God's word that we are supposed to be respectful, fear and trembling of our employers. That we are supposed to be ones who are going to be the model of respectfulness to those who are above us. Again, when we talked about the women and how the women were supposed to submit to their husbands as unto the Lord, it never said that whether you had a good husband. Here we're not told whether you have a good what? Boss. A good master. If you got a good master, you do everything to please him. But if you got one of those tyrannical masters, oh, you're, it's okay for you not to do. It has nothing to do with your boss. It has everything to do with you. How are you going to serve Christ, and we'll talk about this in a moment, in serving your boss? Well, we're supposed to do it with fear and trembling. And that is not just with them when I'm there. In other words, so... so 
here I am, and I'm going to put it from the perspective of from in my work with a customer, because in a sense, my customer is also my boss, okay? And that I'm not going to talk respectfully about them just when I'm talking to their face, but also when I am talking about them to other people. And you know how that goes, right? When the boss man or boss lady comes in and how everybody is sweet and sugar and all this kind of stuff, but when he or she leaves, then also in the break room, the real conversations happen and what people really think about it. As believers, we should be no part of that. We should be treating our employers, our masters, if you would, with the same respect as we would do unto the Lord, as unto the Lord, okay? Serving with respectfulness. Secondly, serving with commitment. It tells us, bond service, be obedient to your masters according to flesh with fear and trembling in sincerity of your heart. That word sincerity actually is a Greek word which refers to singleness. Singleness. The singleness of your heart. In other words, it is not distracted. It's a loyalty issue. That you are serving them without any other ulterior motives. That you're there to serve and to do your job for the betterment of the company for the, and for the glory of God, okay? But that you're not there just so that you can move up the corporate ladder. Now, if you move up the corporate ladder, that's okay. Do you understand? But when you're doing that work, it's not so much about you. It's all about Christ and others. Think about it. What is the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. What's the second one? Love your neighbor as yourself. It doesn't say love yourself as your neighbor. And many people, but we laugh. But honestly, that love your neighbor as yourself stuff, the social gospel has twisted that around because you can't, and this is what they say, you can't really know how to love your neighbor unless you know how to love yourself because it says love your neighbor as yourself. And so they, they twist it and they place loving yourself above loving your neighbor because you have to love you. And if you don't love you, you'll never know how to love God. And you'll never know how to love your neighbor. But notice, Jesus never said that. But rather, it's love God, love your neighbor, then love who? Your enemies. And then you. Yeah. So I'm number three, baby, but I could honestly go, I'm number four, baby. Instead of that, you know, I'm number one, baby. I'm number, you know, or now I'm second. All the videos that are out there, I'm second. And I, I, I like the videos that are there trying to show how God needs to be the priority of our life. But even that is still, you know, I'm second is not just right. Rather, I'm third or fourth, however you want to look at it, because it's me, others, or, sorry, God, others, yeah, I realize what I said there in a moment, yeah, God, others, and then me. And that's how it should be. Well, in the workplace, who's the other? It's my boss. Years ago, um, when I first came back down to Augusta as an assistant pastor of a church, I had a job working in a, a print shop. They made napkins and placemats. And I worked in the office um, as an inventory control clerk. And so it was a very low-paying job. But it put beans on the table. And But my undergraduate work was computer science. And so um, I wanted to use those skills to better the, the company. And so I was automating the inventory control process from tracking the, the, the rolls of paper as they came in 
to the, the plant as they were being used and what placemats and napkins they were being used upon. The, the ultimate goal in my mind, just to give you a little background, is that um, we made for Bob Evans and for uh, Steak and Shake and different places like that, that if Bob Evans would come, send us back all these, pay, these placemats and saying, you know, ink's running off them, you know, da da da, we're having all these problems, then, you know, we'd have to, to you know, refund them and all that kind of take, make it good. But then all of a sudden, if, if Bob Evans, or I said Bob Evans, Steak and Shake started sending them back, and, and they had some issues too. You know, we could potentially go back, and if it was a roll of paper that we got from Willamette or Fort Howard or, or one of these paper suppliers, then all of a sudden it would be the roll of paper that was a problem and not our production. But there was no way the company could ever have done that when I started. They had no clue. In fact, they had no clue what, what the stuff was coming from what roll of paper. In fact, they never tracked the paper when it came in. In fact, go further, step further, when I started off, when they, they told me how to, to track waste, okay, and how to track the the um, the how what the role was that my boss and this is not to be derogatory but just I want you to understand Bob's mindset for the the story I'm going to give you in a moment okay and that he came to me and said now when they bring you this um, the the label from the roll and they tell you that they've used 20 inches you know the rolls were about 40 inches in diameter these things weigh about a thousand pounds okay um, they're huge rolls of paper. And he says, and if they, you know, they come in, they tell you they use 20 inches of it, then they've used half of it, so you put down 500 pounds. And I said, that's not right. And he says, excuse me. I said, well, that's not right. And he just looked at me like incredulous, like it was 40 inches. They used 20. That's half of it. A thousand pounds. It's 500 pounds. And I said, that is so not right. And uh, and and I I said, it's more like three quarters of the roll. And he said. And he just, I said, I'll, I'll check my formulas out, and, and I'll bring them in tomorrow so you can see. And, and, and this, is, this is the office manager. This is the guy that's over all the, the business part, okay? And, and so I, I brought in my, for those who are looking at me like, I still don't get it. It's the area of a circle. There's more area on the outside of a circle than there is on the inside of a circle. There's more paper wrapped around the outside of a roll than there is on the inside of a roll. Make sense? You know? Okay? It's just, I thought that was common knowledge. Anyways, and, and so... So I did the formula for them, and I showed him. And they thought they had 7% waste. They actually had 30-something percent waste. The company was going under, and they didn't know why. Well, that was why. They were wasting all this stuff, and they were just throwing it away. Well, anyway, so I was automating it, okay? And, and it, was, it was beautiful. I called it, um, I, well, I won't tell you because I don't want to tell you the name of the company. Anyways, um, but I even gave a na- an acronym to the, to the logistics environment that I developed and everything. And so, um, so anyways, I'm doing all this as a, a $10 an hour employee, okay? I mean, just to p- paint the picture for you. Well, I, Desert Storm Duty, I came back, um, and they weren't even going to give me the overtime that they were giving me before. And I, I'm just feeling very what? Used, slighted, unappreciated. I mean, hey, I'm clearly smarter than the business manager here. I mean, if it wasn't for me, this company would be gone, you know. And now here we are, we're booing the mother company, you know. The mother company's losing money, but we're making money, you know. I mean, I'm pretty high on myself at this moment. Nothing personal, okay. I mean, just, I mean, you understand. You, hey, there's no temptations overtaking me, but such is common to man. So you've been there. And so I can share this stuff, you know. And, and so, and this is all about Bob. I want you to, this is all about Bob, okay. And this is where, okay. And 
And so what Bob would do, this is the day before multitasking computers. So, you know, this is way back, you guys. Some of you, you don't understand this concept. Back then we had one computer, and when it was doing one task, you twiddled your thumbs because it was doing nothing else. And so instead of running my reports when I could have, uh, you know, and then just having nothing to do, I decided I'd just run my reports during my lunch. So consolidate or take my lunch while the reports were running, you know, that kind of thing. So and just continue to work and just da, da, da. Well, I thought I was being a, a good faithful employee. Well, my boss came out and chewed me out for talking to somebody. Well, Bob's prideful bubble was now being punctured here. And what do you think starts spewing out? Pleasantries. How much I loved my boss and everything else. We went into an office, and, and this is, I'm not proud for this, okay? This is just straight. I ran him up one side and down the other, and I did it loudly. I know everybody in that office, walls are thin, heard. I mean, you could have heard a pin drop in that office when we came out of the uh, briefing room. And I went to my little cubicle. I didn't even have an office. And, in fact, most of the time I was in a hallway. Anyways, but... And I went back, and I was hot. I was mad. And you know what started happening? The Holy Spirit started beating me up. <laughs> and that made it worse. And I'd memorized the book of Ephesians. And these passages, remember what we said earlier in testimony time, how you memorizing God's word will help you out later. It didn't help me out at this moment. I mean, it did. <laughs> but God was using his word to just to, to pummel me with my fear and trembling and my sincerity of heart to my to my masters according to the flesh. And I realized that I was wrong. I was in sin. And I went into my boss's office and I told him, I said, and I said said his name, I said, what I just did was a sin against you and against God. And I want to ask you to forgive me. But I know that what I just did, or in fact, I, I told him that the word of God says that while I work for you, you are my master and, and, and my employer, and I'm your bondservant, you know, I'm, I'm your employer. And he's, he's, oh, no, no, no. I said, you may not believe it. You may, that's okay. I do. And what, how I treated you was unrighteous, and it was a sin against God, against you. And I am willing to go out into the office because I know it was public and to make you a public apology to everybody else. Oh, no, everybody gets mad at one point. You know what? And I, you, he's right. Everybody gets mad sometimes. But it still doesn't excuse it. It doesn't justify it. What I did was a sin against God and against him, but it also compromised my witness as well in that, that office. And we need to understand that our loyalty isn't just to our employer, it's to Jesus Christ. And that as I work for that employer, I'm really working for Jesus Christ. I want to see myself with my customers as not just working for Mr. and Mrs. Smith, taking a generic name, but I'm working for Jesus Christ, who wants me to minister to Mr. and Mrs. Smith at this moment. And he may be using Mr. and Mrs. Smith to also help me buy bread for my, my family. 
but I cannot just look at them as someone who's being abused for my benefit. Does that make sense? And a lot of times that's how we see our, our bosses. That's how we see the companies that we work for. Long gone are the days of loyalty. But it ought not to be so among those who are called by Christ's name. We ought to be ones <clears throat> who serve with a singleness of heart, a sincerity, a true, not ulterior motives, not, not looking for things for me, for Bob, but what is best for them. Finally, serving with integrity. Again, not as men-pleasers, not only when the boss is around. Have you seen those kind of people? They're workers when the boss man's there, or the boss lady's there. But as soon as they leave, what happens? Goof-off time, break time, do what I want to time. Listen, you know, I understand that cell phones now are becoming necessities. They're not necessities. But we, we look at them as safety Necessities, You know, it's good to have one just in case you're getting a record and everything. But what tends to happen, not just with the younger generation today, but even more so, becoming more and more up to even my generation, is that it's used not for calling in case of emergencies, it's used for what? Texting. Making emergencies. Yeah, that's true because they're texting while they're driving. Good job, Leland. And, and, yeah. um, he did that to me last night when we were talking about Christ and you know and everything he says then he'd become the destroyer. I remember that. That, that I was thinking about that through the night. That was really a great comment. And um, but the uh, we text and this becomes a distraction to the the job. Now all of a sudden you know instead of working eight to ten hours a day, we're talking on the phone, answering calls, we're texting back and forth. Production productivity is way down but we don't get it oh i can multitask i can do this and that at the same time no you really can't you, you really can't you are distracted even if it's only five five percent distraction you're still distracted and your employer deserves your undistracted un, uh, undivided sorry that's the word i'm going for undivided focus on the job Integrity. Doing it as unto Christ, as bondservants of Christ. See, note it says bondservants be obedient to your masters according to flesh, but you're supposed to do it as a bondservant of Christ. That ultimately I understand, again, that I'm not working just for that individual or that company. I'm working for Jesus Christ. And, as it says then here in Ephesians 6, looking at verse 6, doing the will of God from the heart doing the will of God from the the heart I think of Joseph being Potiphar's bondservant his slave how did he work for Potiphar did he work begrudgingly no he worked to the best of his ability such that Potiphar realized that he was being blessed because of Joseph and he gave Joseph charge of everything in his house except for his wife. When Joseph was placed in the prison, what eventually happened? Joseph became the overseer of the, of the prisoners. 
Joseph, though he could be very begrudging in his circumstances, served with all of his heart as unto the Lord, as unto God. And so with his brothers, when his brothers were all, you know, you know, you got to, you know, dad doesn't want you to take it out on us and that kind of stuff. He said, listen, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. I know that with my company, that God set it up. I didn't start it. And so I know that the work that I'm doing, that though I'd rather be ministering full time, that it's the work that God has what? He's raised up for me. It's, it's what he wants me to do. And I need to be very content with that and very excited about that and not begrudge the work when I'm working for somebody else that he has me in the place of working. Does that make sense? So that when he places me in somebody's house to do the work for them, then I need to do it with the singleness of heart and integrity as to the Lord. Doing goodwill, verse 7, with goodwill, doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord. Look, employees, if that's who you are, you need to ultimately understand that your ultimate employer, that is Jesus Christ, will reward you. Even though you may not see the rewards here on earth that you think you deserve. The fact is that Jesus Christ knows the work that you're doing for him. And he is the ultimate boss. And he will reward you for your faithfulness here on earth. So, in the end, if you were the boss, would you want to hire you? If you knew the work that you do, and how faithful you are, and you had the opportunity to hire you, would you hire you? If you were the boss, would you want ten of you working for you? I like to ask that question when it comes to, to, to men looking for a wife. I said, if, if you had a daughter who was marriage, maritable age, would you want her marrying somebody like you? It's amazing that sometimes the, the, the looks you get. Hmm. Now, if, I always say, if there's any stutter at all, then you, you better go work on yourself. And ladies always ask, would you want your daughter or you want your son marrying a girl like you? And if the answer is no, then you need to straighten yourself up too. Well, the same thing goes here. If you were the one who could hire people, would you want to hire people who work like you? If the answer is, well, at all, any kind of well that's in there, any kind of um or er that's in there, that tells me what? There's a need for changing the way you think, changing the way you act, and, and getting right before God. Second side is the master. See, in verse 9 it said, And you masters do the same things to them, giving up, threatening, knowing that your own master, who is in heaven, is also in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. In chapter 4 of Colossians, verse 1, we have the parallel passage. And it says, Master, give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. So I have summed up the things we're going to be looking at here as consideration. Then as, as employees, if you would, bondservants should, should reveal integrity in their work. So masters or employers should, should be revealing, should be reflecting the the Christ-like attitude of consideration.
toward others. Before we talk about this a little bit more, I want to look at Mark 10. So turn with me to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. A passage that you all have read and heard before, beginning at verse 42, Mark 10. Jesus called his disciples to himself and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and his life a ransom for many. Now, I know that a lot of people would say, well, that's just in the church. We're supposed to... No. He didn't necessarily mean that it was just in the gathering. That was supposed to be their lifestyle. Just as Jesus Christ, God himself, coming in the flesh, came to be a servant, not just to those who believed in him, but he came to serve everyone. Who did Jesus die for? The whole world. He's the propitiation for the sins of the whole world, not for ours only. Isn't that what it says in 1 John 2? He served us all. Not just those who loved him. In fact, he, he demonstrated what it meant to love your enemies and pray for those who despitefully use you. And so, we are supposed to have that mind of Christ, which is servanthood in all things. Now you say, well, how does this come? Well, he's talking to those who are what? Great, or the rulers, or the lords over others, that they are supposed to take on then this attitude of servanthood. And so, what we read in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 9, it says, In you masters, what's the next word say? Do the, do the same things. What same things? What does that refer to? The things that he just said to the bond slaves, to the bond servants. And so, yes, indeedy, you masters are supposed to be, If so if you're an employer, okay, and you have people under you, you ought to be treating your employees with the same respect that you expect them to treat you with. Forbearing, threatening, giving up, threatening. Now, giving up, threatening means what? Not just don't do it, but you were doing it. This is what's commonplace. This is how we get people to... To, to, to obey us. Have you ever seen parents that do that? If you don't obey me, I'm going to do this. Okay? It's we, we rule by threats. And it says, no, give it up. If you, just like the husband, if the husband is loving the wife like Christ loved the church, generically speaking now, most women will not have a problem doing what? Submitting. They'll want to follow a guy who's going to love them like Christ of the church. One who's serving them and sacrificing himself for them. They'll know that that guy is not all about himself, but he's all about serving the bride. And so the bride will want to do anything they can for the husband. Submission will become beautiful. Well, the same thing situation here. If the master, if the employer is seeking to serve the employee and seeking what is best on behalf of the employee, the employee will do what? Whatever they can for the employer. 
because they know the employer is looking out for them. Do you know one of the major problems? Do you, well, let me ask us. Where, where did where did unions come from? Disgruntled employees. Did they have a right to be disgruntled? Yes. When unions began, they had a right. Why? Because their bosses, because the owners were not looking at them as equals and not loving them like Christ told us to love our neighbors, but rather they were seeing them only as automatons, that seeking to use them as slaves and not meet their needs, right? And so therefore, they, they bound together, they, 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 they came and, 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 and fought against that, okay? I, running my company, having employees, should never have a need for my employees to seek to unionize, to force me to treat them properly, respectfully. Now, I understand that selfishness is prevalent worldwide. And just as owners and bosses can be selfish and greedy, so employees can be selfish and greedy. Go figure. And everybody wants their bigger cut of the pie. I think of the, the NFL and Major League Baseball and all these guys that are making millions of dollars and, and they're going to go on strike. And I, you know, and here we are, you know, and, and, and I think, and, and they want us to pay, you know, all that money to go see them play. And I think this is nuts. So, and you know what? Most people in this country do that. <laughs> and, and so anyways, that's another story. Um, but we're greedy. Well, as an employer, as a owner, as a boss man, I understand. I ought to understand that those who are underneath me are those who are made in the image and likeness of God, and are co-equals with me in standing before God. And the only difference is function of what I do. Look at what it says in verse 1 of chapter 4 of Colossians. Giving your bondservants what is just and fair. The word fair is used to refer to equality and equalness. That as I look at a position, I don't pay people based upon who I like and who I don't like. So when Tim and Ben work for me, I make sure that I pay them a lot more than I normally pay other people. That would be totally wrong. If this is what I believe that that function is worth to me, then I will what? I'll pay it. Years ago, I I tried to start that practice, even when I had Jessica work with me years ago, and she became the semi-professional cocker. And... uh, learning how to lick her finger and wipe it with the cock and then wipe the rest of the cock in the rag. And and when I paid her, I remember, I don't know if you remember this, saying, you're paying me too much. And I said, no, I'm not. I know what I want out of you, and I know what I expect out of you. And if, and if you can do such a percentage of what I do, then you're worth that much to me because you're getting that much work done. And so I'm willing to pay that. And the reality is then, think about it, If I want somebody to work for me, if I want them to work for me, what's the chief way that I will get them to want to work for me? Good wages. I pay them well. And I'll pay my employees well. 
So if I work for you, just remember that when I charge you. Anyways, because uh, <laughs> I'm paying my employees well. And, but I pay my employees well because I want them to work for me. And when I make them work through a break or we're working through lunch or we're working late, A, they're getting paid by the hour, so they shouldn't complain. But B, they're willing to, to do it. They're willing to work because it's not a slave shop. It's not I'm paying you so much this day and I'm making you work 16 hours to get it. I'm going to pay you by the hour. I'm paying you through lunch. If we work a distance away, I'm going to pay you for your travel time. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to take care of you because I want you to work for me. Not just I want you to be employed by me. I want you to work for me. You, you, you got the difference, oh, yeah. Sorry, Rodney, it all blew it all. You wanted to be employed by me, but you didn't want to work for me. Anyways, <clears throat> but I want to treat them then with the same respectfulness that I want them to treat me. But it's amazing how many times as employers we expect something without giving it to them. Serving with commitment. Now understand it's still the word serving here, right? Because even as the employer, I should be seeking to serve. Um, before I go into the serving with commitment, I have a, had a friend, he's still my friend, though I haven't talked to him for years, um, Rick Dran. And, and Ricky um, worked for, this will knock your socks off, Anheuser-Busch. And, um, and he didn't want to, and it was a struggle for me when and this is the guy that taught my Sunday school class up in St. Louis when I was there for Desert Storm duty. And it was the reason why we joined, not joined, but attended the church that we were attending out there during that time was because of him and his teaching in the Sunday school class. It was just so deep. The guy was phenomenal. And, uh, and I remember when he visited me and I challenged him about who he worked for, you know, you know. And he said, Bob, he says, why do we send missionaries to Africa? I said, because there's people there who need to hear the gospel. He says, oh, that's all I can tell you why I'm working in Hazard Bush. Because there's people who need to hear the gospel. He says, I turned the job down twice and i finally said lord if this is where you want me to work then they're going to have to offer me something like this and they came a third time and they offered him something that was twice what he would put out as this i mean just incredible and he had been promoted numerous times <clears throat> in this promotion i'm talking about now um that he was going for was all the way up to the board of anheuser-busch the the guys who run it were discussing who was going to get the next position, and he was being interviewed by them. And he was going to be skipping levels to get there. And and you got to know Ricky. Ricky's kind of bold at times. And so they asked him his questions, and, and they said, and he said, may I ask you all a question? And they said, well, yes. And he said, I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And he, he um, rules over everything I do. And he has called upon leaders to lead as servants. And so I believe that as, an, as the boss, I am to be a shepherd over those who are underneath me and as a servant to them. What, what, is that, what effects is that going to have upon this situation? And they said none whatsoever. That's, in fact, what we have seen and why we want you in that position. Isn't it amazing? The world doesn't want Christ, but they see and they desire the Christ-like attitudes that we can 
that we can reveal and we can reflect in our lives. And because of that, then, it gives us the foundation to evangelize, to give out the gospel. Because what they see in us is so different than what they see in the world. Listen, if you've got employees who don't know Christ, but have worked elsewhere, and all of a sudden they begin to work for you, and you treat them with a respect that they've never seen anyplace else, and you pay them, and you take care of them, and you meet their needs, and and you are actually interested in them, do you think that they'll take note of that? Do you think they'll want to know what the difference between you and the last boss man was? I think so. Respectfulness. Serving with commitment. Again, with that singleness of heart. Loyalty goes both ways. There are times, now, I <clears throat> pray for me, because I'm entering into a new phase of my, my business. Now, whether this will continue on or not, but there have been different times I've wondered whether the Lord is starting to set me up with more and more work. And so I've had a young man working with me now for, I don't know, about a month. And I actually have another young man coming in tonight from the Gainesville, Cleveland, Georgia area, who's going to be working with me for the next two weeks. So I'm going to have two guys working with me, not Tim and Ben, but I may have Tim and Ben working with me. I could have four other guys working with me. And have. <clears throat> and this is now a new realm for Bob. Because I, I understand that if I go fully to this next step, then there's a commitment that I have to make to this individual. I'm not going to expect them to set aside their life to work with me and only work when I choose to work or only work when I have work. I got to find work. I got to, I got to trust the Lord to find work, is what it is. But do you understand? There, there now is in me this responsibility that I have to this young man. I, I've encouraged him to keep looking for other work. <laughs> I'm afraid of that next step because it's a big step for Bob. Because one, if I go this route and I make him an employee and not a day laborer, which I will have to do, then I've got to make the you know commitments to the government. We'll talk about that with integrity in a moment, at, at doing all my employee stuff properly and decently in order before, before the world. But I'm also going to make a commitment to him. And that even if for some reason I have to terminate him because I don't have enough work, that I better have enough money set aside that I can pay him for two weeks, even if I'm not using him, so that he has time to try to find another job. Now, I understand he doesn't have a wife and kids, and he doesn't own his own house and stuff like that. But again, I want to do it without what? Partiality. I don't want to give him more respect just because he's got a wife and kids and just because he has an apartment. Does that make sense? What is fair is is fair. What is just is just. And we have got to change the way we think in this world. And I don't know whether this is all impacting you or not. Some of you may not own companies or whatever, but one day you might. And the time for you to make the decision of what you believe is true is now. And ask yourself then, 
right now, if you're an employee, how do you like being treated the way you're being treated, and what would you change if you could? When you become the employer, guess what? Make it different. Finally, serving with integrity. Serving with integrity. Again, it's not just in front of the guys. It's not just in front of the men. How amazing it is sometimes when, when employers like to do the, and I'm not, I'm not poo-pooing the um, once-a-year gifts, okay? And I understand that those are, those are nice things. But sometimes as a company, companies do things that are just sh for show. Does that make sense? Okay? We're going to give out the, the, the pen set. You know, we got them in bulk for 50 cents, but we're going to give them to you. And, um, you know, and whatever it is. And so it's, it's a show before men. But in the boardroom, when the discussions are being made among the board of directors, they're thinking what they can do for themselves. I, I think of, and this is not to judge people, but I, I think years ago, some of you will understand this, the Lee Iacocca stuff. Do you remember Lee Iacocca? The, 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 the ruler, the tyrannical ruler of, of Chrysler. And, um, you know, in the same time that he's cutting people's wages and, and, and firing people and laying people off, he's doing what? He's giving himself bonuses and, and buying planes and everything else. And I think, what's this? But yet out to the media, he was all what? Sweet and sugar. That's exactly right. And I think, wow, it ought not to be so by one who's called by the name of Christ. We ought to be the same in front of people as we are behind. The guy who's working for me, I've had some pretty straight conversations with. If I'm going to talk about it to other people, I'm going to talk about it to him. And so he knows certain things. He knows that he's not going to move forward with me unless certain things change. That's just facts. If I become bigger, I'm going to be honest with people. You want to move forward? These are the things. How you dress is a factor. You say, well, that doesn't, why should that be? Because it is to me. It makes, it's, it's a difference to me how you present yourself to, to the customers who we're going to serve. And so if you want to represent me, then you're going to represent me in this manner. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, it could be smoking. It could be whatever. You, you have those things. But make sure that you are what? You are straight to them, not just about them behind someplace else, but when you're with them, that you're being honest and, and, and tr um, trusting with them as well. If you want to trust them, they should be able to trust you. And then finally, having a bond servant's heart. Understanding that we ourselves then, if you're an employer, you have an employer. You have a master. And one day, I'm going to give an account. And James 3.1 says, now it's more about teachers, but it says, be not many masters, for such have their greater condemnation. I will give an account to God for not only what I'm teaching you, not only how I'm treating my wife, not only how I'm training up my children, but how I am as a bondservant serving my customers and as a master serving my laborers and employees. I will give an account for that. And you will too. My question is, do you really believe that? Do you really believe 2 Corinthians 5 
when it says that one day we will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. It may not be the great white throne judgment. It's not a matter of my salvation. It's a matter of the rewards. Are the you're building upon the foundation of Christ made of wood, hay, and stubble? Or are they made of gold, silver, and precious stones? Are they reflective of the character traits of Christ and God? Or are they reflective of the things of the world? And so when we say in Romans 12, 1 and 2, that we offer our bodies as living sacrifices, which is our holy and acceptable perfect act of worship before God, and not be conformed to the world, but rather be transformed in the renewing of our mind, when it comes to the boss, when it comes to the workplace, am I reflecting Christ? In a truly Christ-like attitude in work ethic. So, if you're an employer, ask the same question. Would you want to work for you? Would you want to be one of the people working for you? If the answer is no, then you got to change. One of the things I wanted to mention there under integrity, it wasn't just integrity to the employees, but it was in everything I do. I keep track, and this is not just again about Bob here, it just this is, the illustration I can use is about mine. I've got the perfect kind of job to not pay taxes. There are not many homeowners, in fact, there's not any homeowners, who've ever given me a 1099. Do you know that according to the tax codes in this land, that if someone does work for you and is above $600, you are legally supposed to give them a 1099? Yeah. <laughs> Most people don't know. And that's to, to, to the handyman's benefit, or to the guy who works in your house. Because you know what happens when you give them the check? It never has to be accounted for. Never has to be accounted for. The government never knows it's happened because you never turned it into the government to let them know that you paid me. See, when if you work in a normal place and you have the W-2s and all that other kind of stuff, it gets reported to the government. The government knows how much I got paid because of my W-2s and all that kind of stuff, and so I have to report it. But if you don't send me a 1099, which means that you're filling out a 1096 transmittal, is it blowing you away yet? Anyways, to the government, the government has no idea that you haven't paid me, which means that I can do whatever I want to. So last year, I only got two 1099s. All I had to report was that I made $2,000. I'm living in poverty here. But I keep track of every job that I get paid. And I turn that in to the government as my income for the year. Why? Not because I'm afraid of being audited. Because one day I am going to be audited. And it's not going to be the IRS. Why live in fear of the IRS? Fear God. And then you don't have to fear man. One day I'm going to give an account for the practices that I use in my business. Are you using godly practices in your business? Are you submitting to the governing authorities and to the roles that they put over you? You need to be. And would you want to work for you? How are you reflecting Christ in your workplace? Are you serving, whether it's bond servant or master, as Christ would serve? And finally, would you want to hire you? Would you want to work for you? Again, if the answer is no, 
to either one of those questions, you need to change the way you think. Let's thank the Lord. Father, I am grateful to you that you have called us by your name. Lord, we know that the term Christian was a term of derision originally imposed upon those who were of the way, those who followed Christ and believed that Jesus was the Messiah because they looked like, acted like, sought to be little Christs. Would it be, Lord, that people would charge us with that today? That as they looked at us, they saw something different. And when they considered the teachings of Christ, they would know without a doubt it was why we were the way we were, because we must have been followers of Jesus. Lord, help us to reflect you. Help us not to be conformed to this world, but rather to be conformed to your blessed image, that we may be able to prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, that you may be magnified, that you may be known to the nations, to those we come in contact with. Lord, for those who work for others here, I pray, Lord, that they would seek to glorify you in their work, knowing that their work matters to you. And for those, Lord, who have others that are under them and who maybe own a business and and hire others, Lord, that you would help us to to magnify you as well in treating those who are under us with the treatment that we expect from others in which we know that we receive from you. Again, that you may be glorified. In Christ's name, amen.